0: with Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
2: It is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, season 16, episode number 29. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Dave and Amber. Dave's actually at the Star here today. Amber's at her own home, and we've got our special guest, as we do every Wednesday and Thursday. You guys, welcome in Bucky Brooks from NFL Network. How's it going, Bucky?
1: Man, it's all
2: good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. uh, Doing great. Good to see you. Let me just start by saying, man, I've really enjoyed having you on the last two weeks. It's been some really good nuggets you've dropped for us. So I'm uh, looking forward to what you have to say about the Seattle Seahawks team, and particularly today, the Seattle Seahawks offense. Maybe you can give us some reason to believe that the Cowboys defense (laughs) can stop them, but I'm not really optimistic about that. But let's start (laughs) with the question that we ask. Like the big-picture big, big question I ask every week to you, tell me what is their greatest asset, which we know they probably have a lot, and what is their greatest weakness, talking specifically about the Seattle offense?
1: The greatest asset is Russell Wilson, and the reason he is a valuable asset is because Pete Carroll has finally relented to the 12s. The twelfth men have been asking for Pete Carroll to let Russ cook, And this year, he has let Russ cook from the beginning of the game to the end. And by that, I mean they have put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands and allowed him to do what he does, which is magical. When you look at how Russell has played this year, he's completing 82% of his passes, averaging over 300 yards per game. He has nine touchdowns and only one interception rating of 140 he is playing like an mvp candidate and this is what the fan base has been begging them to do to allow him to really throw the ball all over the yard and he's had a ton of success being able to do so their bigness weakness uh when you look at it you would say it's still their offensive line their offensive line is just kind of a collection of misfits and parts kind of thrown together and they're kind of finding a way to do it but because Russell is so elusive and they can escape they've been able to have a lot of success is one of the more remarkable things because when you really look at it I don't know how many blue chip players they really have across the board but when you put it all together it is really working out and part of that is because Russell Wilson is so special. Well
3: last week before the game we found out that Anthony Brown made it into IR and then just recently we just heard uh, Mike McCarthy talk about Chiroga Awuzie and how he's going to be out for a few weeks. Can you just talk about some of the matchup that we might see there with the cornerbacks and the receivers that Seattle has?
1: Well, it's going to be a problem because what has happened the last couple of weeks, the Dallas Cowboys have put some bad stuff on tape. And when you think about, like, the way teams attack, I'm sorry because you hear my dog in the background (laughs) tick, 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 ticking. Um, So what they've done, they've put bad stuff on tape. And so Awuzie and Jordan Lewis in particular, they've had a tough time holding up in man coverage. And so – the Seattle Seahawks, the most dangerous part of their passing game is when Russell escapes the pocket. And when you have a big guy like D.K. Metcalf, who's a big vertical stretch player, it is really problematic for those guys to stay with him. We saw the work that he gave Stefan Gilmore, who's the reigning defensive player of the year. And so when you think about... The dilemma that Mike Nolan has, they haven't been able to generate a pass rush with four, so they can't really play zone because then quarterbacks have too much time. When you do dial it up and go man-to-man with pressure, the guys on the outside haven't been able to hold up. So, really, I don't know how Mike Nolan's going to be able to do it unless he gets better performance from Alden Smith, Everson Griffin, and Demarcus Lawrence. If anybody has to wear the big sombrero this week, it's the defensive line. they got to challenge the defensive line to get home with four because you can't expose the cornerbacks down after down to -to man-to-man coverage.
4: That's a perfect segue, Bucky, because, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the pass rush needs to be better. Anybody that's watched the Cowboys knows that. And you would like to think it's a favorable matchup against Seattle's offensive line, but the problem that you already alluded to is Russell Wilson, I mean, you can do everything right, and he still makes you look silly. So. What is the best strategy for getting after him without creating six or seven broken plays that turn into chunk gains?
1: Well, I think the main thing is you still got to come after him. You can't just let him sit back and have all day because that is a recipe for disaster because he is too good in terms of his accuracy and efficiency to just pick your part with surgical precision. So you have to pick and choose those moments. I'm going to say this. The the biggest part of the game will be early down situations. Can the Dallas Cowboys win first down? Meaning, can they hold the the Seattle Seahawks to four yards or fewer? Because if you can get the Seahawks in the long yard situations – now you can dictate the terms. Dallas hasn't been able to do that the last couple weeks. They haven't been able to really get the game on their terms. And so defensively, they have to find a way to win early downs. And because Seattle has kind of flipped the script, before they would run it, run it, then pass on third down, very predictable. But now that they're throwing more, Mike Nolan may have to dial up some early down pressures to hope that they can get them behind the chains and then they can pick and choose when to mix in some of the man and zone on those second and third down situations.
5: Bucky, you, uh, you've you been putting out this article. I don't know if all fans know about the uh, five bucks. It's uh, five points that, that you, you put out on Tuesday. It's great stuff, and especially yesterday. You said uh, McCarthy needs to curb his gambling habit. I thought that was pretty awesome. But another one you said was tempo, tempo, tempo. You think the Cowboys on offense need to have a, a faster tempo because that was what, what was working. Against Russell Wilson and this offense, is it smart for the Cowboys to, to have that high tempo and try to uh, score with Seattle here?
1: Yeah, because I actually think that what the Cowboys can do, I think what, a couple things. What they discovered, when they go tempo and play faster, not only is Dak Prescott in more control, but what it does is allows you to dictate the terms to the defense, meaning Atlanta was having a lot of... Success with the pressure up front the first quarter. They were able to blitz. They were wearing them down. But when you play faster, you limit the substitutions. Those pass rushers, they can rush the entire game at the same level. What that also does is when they begin to get tired and fatigued, it creates bigger lanes for the run game in Ezekiel Elliott. Now, the beauty of playing with tempo, they can play fast but not really play out of control, meaning they can play what I call up-tempo, no-huddle. But slow the game down. So if you think about how the Rams played against the Cowboys in the first game, Jerry Goff was go, go, go. But a lot of times, they would sit at the line, wait, 15, 10 seconds on the playcock before they would go. But what it does is it limits what the defense can do from a communication standpoint. So they're reluctant to blitz. And then what it does is protects your offensive linemen With those undrafted free agents playing on the edges, if you can slow down the pass rush from Seattle, you give those guys a great chance. We saw that they didn't give up many pressures after Dallas went up tempo. I think it's something that you have to use. And it's also one of the things that Mike McCarthy used successfully back in Green Bay
2: you look at uh, the Seattle offense, and I want to take it back to, to Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson right now has been hit as much as, as most of the quarterbacks in the league. He's now taken 13 hit, quarterback hits that, that ranks them about 29th in the league right now. So where on this offensive line, I know you said the offensive line is kind of patchwork. Where on the offensive line, though, do you think they are most susceptible? And where do you think there's a good matchup for the Cowboys to possibly exploit, thinking about the Cowboys front and, uh, and Seattle's offensive line?
1: So here's the thing about the, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. Everybody's vulnerable if you can get them into one-on-one situations. Uh, the thing that has been concerning because, and this is why Pete Carroll has been reluctant to let Russ cook, because he knows that the best way to protect Russell is to really lean on the running game. He knows that by re- leaning on the running game, he can help his offensive line sh- because they struggle when they're forced to really get in pass protection situations. I don't think it's really the matchup. I think the deal is all Smith, Efferson Griffin, and Demarcus Lawrence have to play up to expectations, particularly Demarcus Lawrence. And I know he's battling through a knee injury and those things, but... The expectation coming into the year that he was going to be a premier pass rusher, we haven't seen that to this point. He has to be the guy to set the tone for the pass rush. Everson Griffin and Alden Smith were supposed to be complements. They weren't supposed to be the main Andre. They were supposed to be the side dishes. We need DeMarcus Lawrence to step up and be a guy that can be a factor because if he can get a couple hits early, they then slide the protection, then you will really see Alden Smith and Everson Griffin have the kind of big days that we want to see them have.
3: Now, obviously – In this game, we're going to see Russell Wilson throwing the ball a lot. And you mentioned the running game, and I just wanted to ask you about that specifically because when you talk about Seattle, Russell usually takes the spotlight. But how is their running game currently, and what do they have going on there?
1: Chris Carson has been a great discovery for them. I will say this about the Seattle Seahawks and what they've been able to do. They've been able to take late-round players and really develop Got put him in situations where they can see Chris Carson is big, fast, physical. They've done a great job of not only using him as a runner, but this year we've seen him become a bigger part of the passing game, catching screen passes, swings. We saw him catch the wheel route or the rail route down the boundary against the New England Patriots. You have to deal with him. And they haven't gotten to the running game. But just know, Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. I will say this, though, because they're very aware. The last couple times that the Dallas Cowboys have played the Seattle Seahawks, Dallas's offense has been able to control the game because they've been able to run the ball and kind of play keep away. Pete Carroll is very aware of that. And so they may try and come out fast and kind of put Dallas in a hole and make Dallas chase points. It is a fascinating matchup to watch because, look, sometimes matchups make fights, and this is a great matchup. For whatever reason, Dallas typically plays very, very well against the Seattle Seahawks. It's another
4: wonderful segue, Bucky. Thank you because I'm not – I'm not saying this is a great idea, but I don't know if the Cowboys have a choice. I mean, you know, it, we just learned this morning it doesn't sound like Shida Owuzie is going to be available for the foreseeable future. Anthony Brown is already on injured reserve. That seems like it leaves Trayvon Diggs as the best option to deal with DK Metcalf just from a side. Sounds weird to say have a rookie shadow their best receiver, but you don't have a choice. Am I off base here?
1: No, no, I I actually think it would be a great choice, and here's why. The reason why is because Trayvon Diggs has been in the SEC. He's seen DK Metcalf. So all of that Superman stuff that DK Metcalf has given the rest of the league, well, when you're Alabama and you dealt with Ole Miss – they may have his kryptonite, and Trevon Diggs has the length to go toe-to-toe with him. Now, the thing that you have to do if you're Trayvon Diggs, you have to have a plan for how you want to defend him, meaning you don't want to go nose-to-nose each and every down with him because DK Metcalf welcomes the physicality at the line of scrimmage. So maybe you want to play a little shadow technique, play off it, make him run. The one thing that we'll say about DK Metcalf, if you let him get going and do the things that he likes to do comfortably in terms of run the vertical routes, he's great. But he's still not a great guy when it comes to stopping and stopping. starting you have to challenge him you can't back down and you have to see if he can be the consistent player he has been great through the first two weeks of the season but is that really the DK Metcalf that we think we're going to see for the rest of the time I think if you Trayvon Diggs you have to see if he's really that guy and if he is you tip your cap you go on and you play the next week but I think you have to challenge him I don't think you can give him easy access and let him have the kind of days that we've seen him have the last couple weeks
5: Bucky, who's been the best defensive player on the Cowboys team the first two games? In your opinion? Um, not not so much. I mean, I, I guess I would... Just just who's been the best? No,
1: I, I guess. I guess I would say Jalen Smith has been the best in terms of just kind of being able to be active and make plays. And I know he's undergone a lot of criticism like the first week, but I think um, he's been pretty solid. I think the rest of the squad has been up and down. Um, I think guys have had moments, but I think the most consistent player has been Jalen Smith. And I think it's troubling because... We thought he would be one of the blue chippers, but he has to get the rest of the game to come along with him, DeMarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin and Alden Smith and those other guys.
3: I see everyone making faces.
5: There's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's y'all, a reaction y'all go ahead. Hey Bucky, say- Hey,
1: Bucky, just so you know, we had this conversation
2: yesterday, and Nick threw out Jalen Smith. So he's sitting over there right now no. just waiting. Like he's got something for us in the next segment. No. And I laughed at him when he said it, but but I'm sure he's got something for me as soon as we get to the next no, segment.
5: No, I said at the end of the season I think okay. he will be. Right. I don't think he played that great against the Rams. But,
2: yeah, I thought know, the Rams was a little shaky, but yeah, go ahead.
5: I mean, somebody's – I mean – Somebody has to lead the team in tackles. You know what I mean? True. I mean, like, somebody has to be the best player. I mean, True. Eugene Lockhart was the best player on the worst team back in the 89. That just happens. Somebody's <laughs> got to do it. That doesn't mean he's playing well. I thought you might say Tristan Hill, honestly. It's, I mean, I thought. Uh,
1: I mean, look, they, he's, he's, he's played well. But in terms, in terms of impact, I think Jalen Smith is – probably made a greater impact. Um, And look, they haven't made many impactful plays. But Mm -hmm. I think he has been able to kind of step over. He was like surprisingly given the calls because they didn't expect LVE to go out. And so he's kind of had to do a lot. But I think he settled in the second game. And let's be honest about the defense. Look, the defense didn't play well early. But they did play well in spots. They were put in a tough situation, a lot of sudden change defense, um, playing on short fields. And they were able to hold the Falcons to field goals. It wasn't ideal because they've given up some plays. But um, I think overall there's some things to build upon. I think the main thing for Mike Nolan is to identify what is the best way to play. And I think when we look at Mike Nolan, here's the thing. I think we thought he was going to be more aggressive than he has been, but I think he's kind of had his hands uh, tied behind his back because he hasn't been able to really get the coverage from the young guys on the outside.
5: I was going to ask you uh, real quick on that touchdown to Hayden Hurst, and, and Jalen was in there, a safety. What was your thought on, and it's hard to say what what the Cowboys were asking the players to do, but what do you think was the breakdown there?
1: I think it was just a blown coverage. I think I just think they, they blew the coverage. I think they didn't get it communicated who was responsible for everybody, and that's why Hayden Hurst was running free. And, look, early in the year when you don't have the preseason games, you're going to see some of those things, particularly when you're Mike Nolan and you're trying to do a lot, meaning you're trying to show different disguises, you're trying to mix in a, a variety of coverage unlike – your predecessor and so sometimes you get some of those things lost in translation and you have some communication issues that lead guys to run free down the field I think as we kind of continue to get through the first quarter of the season we'll see those things tighten up because this really is kind of like the preseason they will begin to settle in and really understand what they're being asked to do and also Mike Nolan have a better feel for what he has and what he's really able to do from a play calling standpoint.
2: Bucky, before we let you go, I did want to ask you this question about Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Uh, I've always believed that that if you want to compare Uh, Dak Prescott's trajectory as a quarterback to anybody in the league, to me it is Russell Wilson. You saw when both of them came into the league, they came in on teams where they were not even close to being the most, uh, the best thing that their teams did. But over time, you saw with Russell how he became and is now clearly the best thing that they do. He is how everything works there and my personal belief is that Dak is on that same trajectory. What have you seen from Dak, if you're trying to compare the two, what have you seen from Dak that maybe says, yes, he's on that trajectory or not quite sure if he's going to get there
1: it's funny Derek because I completely agree with you I wrote about this last year that I thought the blueprint for Dak Prescott has always been Russell Wilson Um, you come in the league and you're given responsibilities as a game manager and as you mature and as the team changes around you you become the central playmaker I think what we're seeing is Dak Prescott is ready to be that central playmaker. Uh, Yes, the the offense still runs through Ezekiel Elliott and all those things like Seattle ran through Marshawn Lynch for years. But then, as Dak has shown more command, more control of the huddle, the passing game, he's shown more confidence and efficiency as a passer. You now can trust him to do more. And part of my urging for the Cowboys to play faster is because in that game, I, I felt like it was the epiphany of, Oh, he's ready to take it over. He's ready to take it on because everyone coming into that last game, oh, let's see if Dak Prescott can do it. He doesn't have the vaunted offensive line. He doesn't have everything around him. They've fallen behind early deficit, and all he did was show composure, poise, and playmaking ability. I think he is – In line to be that Russell Wilson type quarterback and I think you can make the argument that look he's bumping up against the top five in terms of being in that conversation I think we are at a time where the quarterback play from the young guys in particular is great in this league but I think every conversation when we talk about top five quarterbacks Dak Prescott has to be in there with Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, um, anybody and everybody that you want to put in there, there's not a thing that Dak can do that he can't do that they those guys do. He, he does everything. And so, look, I think Russell Wilson is a great model. I think he is on that trajectory, and I think we have to get comfortable thinking that he is a Tier 1 type quarterback.
2: Alright, man. Great stuff again, as usual. We'll be back. Uh, we'll have you back with us again tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about the Seattle defense. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Cowboys' defense versus the San. Uh, Seattle Seahawks offense. We'll do that when we come right back. This is dallascowboys.com radio.
4: We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen.
1: Dr. Pepper and Cream
6: Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time.
4: Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda.
6: A delicious wear. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black.
5: the break cowboys single game tickets still available get your tickets to see the cowboys take on the cleveland browns when they return to at&t stadium on sunday october the 4th a limited number of tickets are on sale get yours at dallascowboys.com slash tickets Welcome back.
2: It is the second segment of the Break Life Nest WBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We just finished our segment with Bucky Brooks. Good stuff there about the Cowboys' uh, defense versus the Seattle Seahawks' offense. And before we talk a little bit more about that matchup, uh, we do need to talk about some injury updates. Uh, we found out today that Tyron Smith uh, will be working with the trainers, and found out Demarcus Lawrence will miss practice uh, for a personal reason, as as Coach McCarthy says, a good personal reason, uh, as opposed to, I guess, a bad personal reason. And then the part that um, that I don't know that, that we really knew going in, which is that Cheeto Bay, uh, Awozie will be out for multiple weeks with an injury. What did you think when you first heard that, Nick?
5: Um, crap. Like, <laughs> like that's not good. Like, <laughs> Anthony Brown's out. Cheeto's out. Daryl Worley's gonna have to play a lot with, um, you know, with Jordan and and Trayvon Diggs and. You know, my first thought really was, is, does that mean Reggie Robinson's going to play? No. Okay, okay, okay. It better not. No, Brandon Carr yeah. will throw in there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's. I think I said to Dave just before the show of like, is, is Metcalf good? Lockett? I mean, are they? They? I mean, if they running by St- Stefan Gilmore and doing those things against the Patriots, then yeah, <laughs> right. they might be doing that against the Cowboys.
4: David Moore made the best catch of the entire night the other night. Number three receiver—that yeah. was one of the most impressive things I've seen in a long time. Uh, I was, so I thought you were talking yeah, about uh, a reporter. Troubling. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, I not. I'm talking about the Seahawks receiver. He made like, oh my
2: god. Yeah. The interesting thing is they got they got speed, and then you've got DK Metcalf who's also big. And so it's like, how do you match up with that? You know, at at the time when when Brandon Carr was originally here. I know Brandon was the kind of guy where you'd like okay if you're going to have a big receiver, you put him up against a big receiver It's rare that you see a guy the size of dK Metcalf that can also run right That's the part that's really rough is how do you like how do you how do you match up with that guy because it's rare to find size and speed combined like that and I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges here for the Cowboys
3: yeah
4: that's why I asked Bucky that question is because Trayvon Diggs is the only guy on this roster that's healthy that Seems like a good idea. I mean, I love Jordan Lewis, but you're gonna put him up against a guy that's got three, four inches on him. Um, I mean, that you know, that's what the, we all that's that's the snapshot of Trayvon Diggs is that he's got rare length and athleticism for a cornerback. Like guys his size don't typically move as well as him, which is that's the case for DK as well. So, you know, with the best skill set.
3: Hopefully, Worley can step it up because he had a good training camp. I know last game he, he had some plays where it wasn't all that great, but hopefully these guys can get into this game and take advantage of it. He was a guy that was impressive to me during training camp. And you mentioned Jordan Lewis. and I remember something that Brian brought us would always point out about Jordan is his long arms, like the the length of his arms, which helps him. But at the same time, you need length on your feet and legs so you can be able to jump high enough in order to cover uh, people like that that are much bigger in size than him. So I'm very concerned because this is a position that we have been talking about all of season. With these guys that were healthy, we were already very concerned and worried. And now you got more injured players, so it raises more questions.
5: You know, as good as Metcalf is, and 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 and, you know he's scary just because just looking at his measurables, the guy that's scary scares me the most is Lockett. I mean that guy, and that's where Jordan Lewis will probably be matched up on uh, with. But but he he is really good. I mean he and he's one of those players that and he, he can get down the field. He makes big plays, but he also over the middle and bubble screens and. You know, I know I've had him on my fantasy team for a long time, and it just he just always seems to get seven, eight catches a game for 80, 90 yards, and, I mean, if not more than that. So he's hes a problem. So how would you guys match up?
2: I mean, obviously, Dave, you're, you're saying that you would probably go digs. Are you saying you travel digs with, with, with DK?
4: It's, you know, it's never really been a thing for the Cowboys, it seems like, where they, like, actually exclusively travel a guy.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we lost Dave. Uh, I'm thinking we may have lost him. Nick, would, would, you, would you agree with that? What's going on? Would, <laughs> Dave. I don't know what's going on, Dave. Did I, but, did yeah, I come back? Yeah, I don't you're know back what now. the deal is. You're back now. Why don't you, why don't you go again? Let's see if we can get through is. it this time. I don't know either. And you're in two different places, right? It doesn't.
4: Yeah, like it ain't even my apartment. Yeah. And, sorry. Anyway. The Cowboys never seem to, like, actually exclusively travel a corner with a receiver. Like, that's not something we ever saw under Rod. It's not something that I that that looks like they do, you know. I mean, it's only two games, so we'll see. So every snap, no. But as many times as I can get that matchup, I would prefer it. Because, like I said, I, just, I feel better about his odds than anybody else's that's healthy.
2: You know what I will say, though, Dave? Well, the, when, is... you're,
3: when you're trying to do that. Go ahead, Amber. Sorry, I was going to ask when you're trying to do that what what are some of the what would you say is the advantage or disadvantage between the two different scenarios as to why you would prefer or not prefer for him to be able to travel with him
4: I just think he's he's the best blend of size and athleticism that they have. I mean Cheeto is another one, but he's not able to play so you know, I mean Trayvon is what he's like six one two something. I mean he like he's got almost safety type size. Then you think about Jordan. Jordan's you know five ten and a half, five eleven. He's got long arms. Um, but
3: when you do that, because you already talked about that, I'm saying more oh, when I'm you when, when you do that. Let's say he does travel with him. What does that mean for the rest of the secondary, and what does that look like? Yeah,
4: that's a really that's a wonderful question. Which. I mean, you mentioned Daryl Worley. I would guess Brandon Carr is going to need to be available to play some cornerback. He's another guy with size. Um, opposite side from where That seems like at least an idea, but I guess we're going to see how they, how, we're going to have to see how they practice him.
2: Yeah, the one thing I will say is they've talked about this throughout training camp. They've mentioned several times that they really believe a lot in matchups, that this is a game of matchups. So it does make me wonder if, Dave, even though we haven't seen that from the old coaching staff very much, if this coaching staff looks at it and does agree with you that, hey, if we're looking at a guy like DK Metcalf that has this really weird and uncommon blend of size and speed – Maybe we have to match him up with our guy that we think that can manage best manage his size and speed. I just think about that play that that uh, that that Diggs was able to break up uh, and maybe almost get the interception there uh, when he was covering Julio. Yeah. I look at that and I say, okay, that's what you need. You need a guy like that if you're going to be playing up against D.K. Metcalf.
5: Right, but you also got to remember, too, you said matchups. You can get yourself in a bad matchup. So just like what Amber is just asking is, is, what happens when you do travel players? They can put you in bad matchups matchups. The Julio Diggs is a good example of that. Diggs doesn't play in the slot very much. And so if you if he matches up with a receiver like, let's say, Julio did last week, he runs right past him down the field. He's not that much more athletic than, than Diggs, but he, he's in a spot where he's not used but to. But do they use DK in the in the slot? I, I don't know. All I'm saying is, is when you do that, you, you can put yourself, well, I travel with him wherever he goes. Okay, well, I'm putting Jordan Lewis on the outside where he's not as good, or I'm putting this corner on the inside where he's not as good. And, and you can be exposed that way, yeah. as opposed to if you just kind of play your, your game and you know where players are, that might be the better solution.
2: But I will say this. I don't think it has to be all or none. No, like it They could say when he's on the outside, let's assume they put DK in the slot. They could say when he's on the outside, we match him up. When they put him in the slot, we're going to bracket him. We're going to use Jordan on the, on, and a safety to be able to bracket him to be able to better uh, get some coverage around him, right? So yeah. all I'm saying is I think right now the way they've talked at least during training camp makes me think that every week we may see something a little different from this defense because they want to create matchups and favorable matchups for themselves, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And I'll be interested to see if this is one of those weeks where they're willing to do that. Um, Real quick, let's also talk a little bit about Chris Carson. Uh, Right now, he's second on their team in receptions with nine, so he is a threat coming out of the backfield, probably more so than he is running the ball, at least through two games this season. My question for you guys is, do you guys look at this and say, hey, I think we need to really, or we can trust our linebackers to be able to handle him coming out of the backfield, or is this a situation where you really got to get the safeties more involved, which creates even more strain on a secondary that's already got its hands full with some of those receivers? Let's start first with you, Dave. I know what Bucky said in the last segment.
4: <laughs> Makes me... Excited? <laughs> Are you? Really? I
5: don't know. <laughs> Am I, I gone know. again? No, I, you're, you're back now. Hey, Dave, I know how to fix the problem. Yeah. Come sp- sit in here. Got spot, right <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> spot for you. He's, trying, he's saying come put sit down here with on. us.
2: <laughs> yeah, come, come, come put your mask on. do the whole show on. with I'm your gonna mask. Gonna come on. Nick, Nick, give yeah. us – oh, Dave, I guess you're back. Tell us real quick. You were saying something about Bucky, which I know what you were saying, but go ahead and say that for the people out there listening. I know what Bucky said in the first segment, but I don't feel great about the
4: Cowboys linebackers and coverage right now. It seems like a problem yeah. for the time being so yeah. but at the same time like I, and I, I think Xavier Woods is off to a really nice start, but I don't think of him as a coverage ace either Somebody make me feel better yeah Nick um, is, I
3: think
4: go ahead amber
2: go ahead Amber.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think this is a game where you're going to have to be all hands on deck and get a little bit of from everyone just because of, you know, Bucky just talked about the Seattle offense and we know how Russell Wilson is and what he can do. So I think that hopefully the, the Cowboys are able to adjust as the game goes on and figure out exactly what combination is better for, for their defense in order to handle the their offense. But... I think it'll it'll just end up being somewhere where hopefully the the linebackers are able to chip in more and play a little better than they've been playing so far.
5: Yeah, I'm not sure. Nine is that a lot of catches? I mean, he's second on the team, but I mean, Dalton Schultz had nine in the game. I mean, well, but he's a running back. He's a running for a running back to be averaging
2: five catches a game. Like that's that's a decent clip about that. I'm not
5: sure. I think he's got at least... That- I
2: think five's a decent clip, especially yeah. on a team like this one where you know, where you got a quarterback. See, the thing I think makes it really interesting is you got a quarterback that runs, mm-hmm. and so when you can have a running back that can also get out of the backfield, I think now you put a lot of pressure on sure. the defense to cover this all areas of the field. is a safety valve you know? for him to, yeah. th- to
5: throw it to. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, he can do – Russell can do – anybody that's open, he's going he's gonna to find them. He makes it so tough. But, I mean, he's a tough guy to tackle, Carson. I mean, he was a problem last year. I remember – I think it was last year or two years ago, that game, where Dave was actually saying Carson, you know, should get the ball way more than he does. And they gave it to him that game, yeah. and, and we saw why. So, um, and that was two years uh, ago.
4: Zeke Zeke has nine receptions on the year. Exactly. It's about the same. So, yeah. way to go, Nick.
5: Yeah. About, I mean, four or five a game. Yeah. That's that's about what that is. I mean, that. but that's... That but could be Dak is,
2: But when you start thinking about like him ranked in the, on the teams, Dak is, what, fourth or fifth? I mean, fifth at this point, I would think, so, in number of receptions on the Cowboys. Zeke, you mean? I'm sorry, Zeke, yes. Zeke, probably. Probably fifth, right? So when you look at that, and Carson is second. Yeah. So that that's all the point I'm making is that he is an integral part of what they do in the passing game. More so than even than even yeah. Zeke is. You know, I don't
5: think Gallup has that many catches actually. And he's so had maybe it's some, those other he's guys. Had some Four interesting plays and some you know, but he hasn't really c- come on yet yeah. with with you know a consistent. And that's going to happen. Well, we know
2: Schultz has nine at least. Yeah, Schultz has <laughs> at least nine because yeah. he had nine last week. Has right, ten. Yeah, ten. going to get ten. ten yeah, all right. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, uh, we're going to get some fan questions. Amber got some questions from, for us from you guys out there listening. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Since
0: 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team.
4: Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com.
5: Back to the break. Are you coming to the Cowboys game next weekend? Make sure yep. you know before you go. What's that? Are You yep. You are? Okay, Derek, make sure you know before you go. Derek, wear a mask. I will. Keep distance. I will. Prepared for cashless transactions. I will. You got credit cards, of mm-hmm. course. Please be aware that all safe stadium policies prior to arriving at ATT Stadium, you visit DallasCowboys.com. Do you do that? I will. All right. Slash. Safe stadium for mm-hmm. details.
2: Good, good. I'm all over that. Welcome back to the final segment of the break. And uh, Amber, next week, make sure you keep a close distance. I mean, a far distance. I know sometimes you like want to come over and talk and everything, but make sure you stay away. And uh, we're going to get through this together I mean, and safely.
5: They, they say in the press box. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing's spread out. I mean, you know, I got so much for 20 years. Room. We've been, you've been like breaking your own ribs, <laughs> having to like write with all these people here. And now it's just like hey I mean Dave and Rob are like hey you writing that okay
2: and just as a side note AT&T outdid itself again with the food I was not expecting much with COVID oh, yeah. but man they had some good food in there this week it was so good I don't know I, I went home thinking about those little taquitos the brisket taquitos <laughs> man I wish I could get some more of those it was so good
4: I was expecting like a ham and cheese sandwich yeah and exactly I got, a, I got a bacon egg and cheese croissant with some kolaches <laughs> it was so good it was like they had like, they made like hash brown. Um, they were like tater tots
2: with mashed potatoes. If that makes sense,
4: yeah.
5: like it, and it was, had like
2: cheese and bacon like amazing. in it. It was oh my god. Did yeah, so
5: anybody was, eat a gummy bear?
2: No, 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 no. You yeah. don't waste you don't waste calories in an, in the AT and T Stadium press box on candy. I don't like they got too The food's too good. If You're gonna. <laughs> Agree. Nick disagrees with that. All
3: right. Y'all are ready for some questions? Sure.
4: Sorry. We got way off. We got way off
5: there. Sorry. She's like, not this crap. Okay.
3: Let's say the Cowboys um, once again start off with a slow start. How confident are you guys in them turning things around again in the second half of the game?
4: Oh, I'm I'm very confident. I mean, if they can if they can do it against Atlanta, and I I mean obviously not like a twenty point hole, but Seattle's Seattle's defense is susceptible. Like you know that there should be big plays for the for the offense to make in the run and the pass. So I'm not worried about their ability to, you know, if they happen to fall behind, that doesn't bother me. What does bother me is. I just think the world of Russell Wilson, and and I don't think he's going to let his team squander a second-half lead the way the Falcons did.
2: Yeah, that's where I'm more skeptical, uh, Dave, is that I I don't think they will get in a situation where they're not going to match the Cowboys score for score if you get into that second half where they have a lead. If the Cowboys get a score, I think Russell's going to go right back and get a score. It's not going to be that kind of situation. So I think the Cowboys have to get out fast in this game because if not— I think you know it could be pretty ugly.
5: Yeah, well, I do think that when you play in you know the style of, of offense, the way the Se- Seahawks do and the Falcons do, you can come back from teams like that because the, they're forced to play a way that they don't really want to. Like Atlanta doesn't really want to run out the clock. They don't have, I mean, Gurley have Gurley, but that's not really the way they play. And I don't even know if Seattle plays that way. So. Yes, I agree. He's he's going to keep being aggressive regardless if he's got a 10-point lead or 15-point lead, but I do think you can come back against teams like that a little bit more than you would because they're going to try to run the ball a little bit and that's not and it's harder to come back against Dallas, a team like that because if they could just run Zeke all the time that would be good
2: but you know I get the impression Seattle's not the kind of team that's going to try to salt away a win like I think they're just going to keep being aggressive and keep their foot on the pedal so they're still bombing the ball out there and you know and they got a two two score lead like, and that stops the clock I mean I get th- that get help you. but I'm just saying if they're so as efficient as they've been yeah. they might just put up 50 points on you so I, I just think that's the part that's going to make this a lot harder you're dealing with a much much better offense and uh, than you had in, in, in Atlanta in my opinion
5: Yeah, 80% completion so did
2: you like- see yeah did
4: you see what they did on third and one against the patriots the other night no what is end of game situation end of game situation dying minutes you need a first down and you can kneel it out they bombed it 40 yards downfield yep. yeah i remember that it was incomplete which worked it worked in new england's favor but if they're willing to do that in that situation they ain't scared. that that worries me It worries me that how willing they're going to be to air the ball out i don't think they're going to be shy yep
3: Uh, How concerned are you guys about them uh, just going on the road again? We know that this year because of COVID, there are different stadiums that have different capacity of uh, fans and loud crowd noises and all of that. How are you um, expecting this game to be and how it could affect the whole environment? How could the environment affect the Cowboys in this game?
5: I'll start. This is a break. I mean, this is one of those breaks that they talk about because mm-hmm. not playing Seattle uh, in that stadium like it typically is. I mean, it, it's been a problem. They've won there, but the, the, not not a lot. And so, um, you know, they might lose, but it won't be because of that. It'll be and, unless. And that being the crowd noise. Yeah. yeah. Eh, unless Seattle. You know, figures out a way to pipe in some crowd noise. Hey,
2: they're going to pipe in crowd noise because everybody has the right to do it. But there's only a certain amount of decibels. I think it's 70 decibels is the max that you can put on it. I would suspect it's that regularly it. they're well above 70 it's decibels. It's
5: all about experience, though. Do you want your quarterback to have a 50 starts or one start? You know, their, their decibel guy's got experience. That's all I'm saying. He knows how to... <laughs> it
2: up. Well, you know, I can always just pull out my trusty watch, and I can tell you how many decibels. Maybe <laughs> oh I need God. to let you take that with <laughs> can you. Can I have your watch? No, you okay. can't have my watch. <laughs> I knew no. that was.
3: Derek Derek loves doing that at every stadium. He'll pull out the watch and measure. Let's see how loud this crowd is. Yeah, noise. I want to know. I've <laughs> sat, I want to know. I've sat next
5: to you for 20 years. I've never seen you do that.
2: All the time. And I always did it with Amber because I knew she hated it. So <laughs> I would purposely be like, Amber. Look how loud it is, you know. So.
5: Yeah, he'll show me.
3: I'm like, get away. Go away.
5: Well, I wish you would have done it against the Rams. There's nothing. No. There's nothing. I dropped something. It's like, that's it. <laughs> me eating a chip, probably.
3: Do we have time for one last question? Yeah,
5: let's throw one in there.
3: All right, last question. Um, we, know, we heard Dak Prescott in the press conference talk about how this can become a a domino effect and get the the whole team pumped up and playing at a high level and and energized again. When you look at, at this game, in case they were to lose, what do you think that will do to the team as a whole and just the spirit of what they're... you know, just the whole mood of the team if they go on the road and lose another game?
4: i mean i think that's that's one of the many reasons why beating the falcons was so important is that i mean they're professionals i would hope if they lose they say well that's arguably the best player in the league and you know one of the better teams in the nfc and we're below 500 we got to get back to work and beat cleveland so we can keep treading water like i mean obviously you want to win every game that you play but i think beating the falcons gives you the margin for error that you're not in deep crap if you lose this game because even as bad as the NFC East looks, 0-3 is not the place to be, ever. You just very rarely do you rebound well from that. Uh, but 1-2, and two, a lot of teams are 1-2. And, and, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland.
5: It's got it. Cleveland, and after that it's the Giants, and...
2: Uh, at the Cardinals. Cardinals. Who the Cardinals are looking really good. That's going to be a, a big, challenging game that, that I don't know that we thought of in the same way when the f- schedule first came out, but it's right. going to be a
5: challenge. Yeah, Definitely we'll going to be a challenge. We'll but lost. all three of them at home. Lost Dave just for a second, but what I was going to say uh, about that. I, <laughs> Sorry. I give up. <laughs> Sorry. We'll see, you, we'll see you tomorrow. Right? <laughs> I don't know
4: where I cut off, but beating Please. Atlanta gives you the leeway
5: that you don't have to beat Seattle, in my opinion. Well, but go ahead. And I, I, What I was going to say is if there's any team player-wise, that understands what it takes to go up and then down and then up and then down, it would be the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you get to the 8-8 eight eight land is, is because you, you have to come back from a really tough loss, but you also didn't really capitalize on the win. And I, I say it for years. I always think that the Week 2 game is the most important game of the season because it kind of sets a tone for what you're going to be. Are, if you won the first one. You know, of course, last year you could say they didn't because they got 3-0. and But I just think you this that was, like Dave said, huge, huge win. But I don't know if this team has been a very good at capitalizing on those big wins. Yeah, but David you know. McCarthy can help.
2: I'll look at this from the opposite view, which is if the Cowboys should happen to be able to go to Seattle and win, I think that game last week may be the turn of this friend of, of this this team this particular team starting to realize okay we're up there at the top echelon in the league and it could put them on a, tra- a trajectory to where they end up being one of the best teams in the NFC you see that all the time with teams they have that moment uh, there are moments in seasons where teams are, su- are successful where you're like that was a moment when you go back and look at totality of the season at the end you find these little moments where it kind of changed for them That could be a moment for the Cowboys if they can go to Seattle and win. This is a great test for them, I think. And we're about to find out if they can use that last week as a springboard. Or if it's just going to be another game that they just barely eked out and they're right back to doing what they do and and you're right back to that 500 football that they've been in, uh, the situation they've been in for so many years. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about Cowboys offense versus Seattle defense. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio.